Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery of each of the 78 tarot cards. If you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or a Thoth deck, or Mel's own Tabula Mundi deck, you've come to the right place. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it. But you should also know that Fortune's Wheelhouse is more than the sound of our voices. We have a home on the web at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. Come and visit us there so you can experience the other part of this conversation, where we provide hundreds of written articles and explanations for even the most obscure concepts you'll hear on the show. If you sign up to be our patron at even the $1 level, you'll instantly gain access to all that information. As you know, each week we have a giveaway. Last week's winners are Amy from Alabama and Adrien in France which means both of you will be receiving signed copies of my hot-off-the-press new book, Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers. Congratulations. I wrote this book as a one-stop reference for the correspondences, and I hope you both find it as useful as I do. For those of you who didn't win this week, you don't have to go without. The book is available for pre-order everywhere. Amazon, Book Depository, Llewellyn.com, and I understand pre-orders are going out this week. So exciting. For this week's episode, we're talking about that brilliant intellect, the Queen of Swords, who is associated with the sign of Libra, ruled by Venus. For our only Venus-ruled queen, I'm doing a very special perfume giveaway. The perfume is called Autodidact, and it originally developed as a custom zodiacal perfume for a Fortune's Wheelhouse listener who herself has a Libra moon. The scent is something you would smell in an oak-paneled library filled with leather-bound books and roses, a library whose windows are flung wide above a seaport spice market. It is the scent of adventure and the love of learning, or, if you like, the intoxicating scent of brainiacs. <laughs> you can sign up as a patron and find out more about the drawing at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. I hope you win! But if you don't, Autodidact is also available at my website and at the Etsy shop. If you're on Facebook, you can connect with other listeners at Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy. That's the officially unofficial Fortune's Wheelhouse group, where even now some 275 listeners are sharing their love of esoteric tarot. You too could be one of them. Remember, you can always check in with me and Mel at our individual websites. I'm at www.tsusanchang.com. That's T as in tarot, susanchang.com. And my Etsy shop is at www.etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. Mel's blog is at www.tabulamundi.com. And you can order her products at tarotcart.com. And we each have newsletters where you can sign up to hear about anything new that's happening in our worlds. Finally, if you have a moment and you haven't done it yet, would you please leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes? You can do it that way too. It's free, it's easy to do, and it really does help spread the word. Thanks for doing that and helping us out. One note about sound quality this week. Mel and I were down a mic when we recorded the King, Queen, and Knight of Swords episodes, so we had to share. The audio is not quite up to our usual standards, but we think you'll be able to hear just fine, even if the 
raucous cackling is not quite as up in your face as usual. We hope you enjoy it just the same. And now, here's this week's episode. Yesterday, yesterday, my man told me he wouldn't stay. Got a new gal in San Antonio, packed his grip and left his home. Then I sighed, yes I cried, my broken heart wouldn't stay inside. That is why you hear me moan, the queen is back on her throne. I'm the queen of sorrow. have arrived at the fearsome and beautiful Queen of Air, the Queen of Swords, otherwise known as the Queen of the Thrones of Air and the Queen of the Sylphs and Sylphides, or Sylphides. I think it's interesting that she's called the Queen of the Thrones of Air. I think we should talk about thrones a little bit and queens, maybe. Yeah. Because the important thing about queens in at least the golden dawn system queens are associated with thrones with sitting down (laughs) because they're established so whereas the niter king in the thoth deck and in tabula mundi and in golden dawn not in waitsmith he's in motion he's on a horse but she is seated because she's got the castle she's got the power yeah the idea of the form to his force (laughs) exactly it's sort of like going from two dimensions to three yeah Right. When you get the third, you, then you have a plane. To, exactly. To, or a, a place shape. Or a shape. Yes. yes. <laughs> three-legged stool. <laughs> a three-legged stool where you right. can actually sit. In some uh, texts, I've seen her represented as, in some ways, more of a ruler than the knight or king, because she's always in one place. You know where to find her. And she has the perspective, the understanding and perspective to see... Uh, what's going on in the kingdom. Yeah, she's got the authority, that idea of approaching the throne for right. you know, to solve your issue. Or And then there's that whole idea that sometimes angelic beings, there's a, there's a whole category of angelic beings that are called thrones. Do you know yeah. anything about that? Isn't that kind no. of strange? It's so weird, yeah. right? And I don't really know what that means. It really gets you away from this whole sort of anthropomorphizing of angels, but I think there's whole categories that are not exactly humanoid, yeah. you know? And they don't call it the throne of air. They call it the thrones of air. What's right. up with the plural? The thrones of air, which makes me think maybe it is those beings that are being referred to rather yeah. than a place to sit. 
Because wouldn't she only have one throne if, you know, like <laughs> the throne of air? It's the thrones of air, which I thought was kind of interesting. Is that the case with the other, um, other queens? queens? I know where we can look. I have a whole book. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this should be easy to look up. Nomenclature of the Miners. 16 court cards, Queen of Swords. Queen of Cup, Queen of the Thrones of the yeah, Water, it's all, Queen of all the multi- Thrones of Flames. It's, it's, multi- yeah. it's uh, yeah. Huh. So that's interesting, huh? Yeah, it is. What does that actually mean? We may never know. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if there's if there's more than one, she's in charge of all of them. <laughs> yeah, and then there's that whole deal where the princesses are the thrones. Yeah, that's true. In terms of what we were saying about how you go to the throne to make your petition or to do, you know, the throne does the actual governing, there's that special relationship between three and ten, between Bina right. and Right, that's what I was just thinking Malkut. about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, between the mother and the daughter. So, you know, the Sephira of understanding and the Sephira of the kingdom. Yeah, the primal hay and the final hay. Yeah. And the, and the progression, how they... One becomes the other over and over. That's right, through the pillar of form. And that's that's really significant, I think. The queen, not to mention that she governs that those number 10 decans as well. So she really has an understanding, literally an understanding of the way things work on the ground. Uh, she's associated with the watery part of air. So what do we mean by the watery part? Well, if we're talking weather, I've seen it referred to as snow and ice. Oh, neat. The watery part Mm -hmm. of air, which is Mm -hmm. kind of interesting in terms of her perceived coolness. Mm. Um, Mm. But then the idea of the power of thought to transmit things and how it flows. To connect. Yeah. Yeah. To connect things that are unrelated. Uh, I think maybe it's Curly who calls it, the connective properties of air, the elasticity and transmission, as you were saying, yeah. transmission. Even if any two given things are apparently separate, the air between them connects them. Yeah, and I think of her, we talked a little bit about this in the previous episode, as because she's associated with Libra with the crossroads cards, that she's the one who perceives the pattern and reads the map. So she can help figure out where to go. But you have to know where you are before you can figure out where to go. (laughs) And also, if she's the watery part of air, then what's her relationship to the airy part of water? So that would be the prince or knight of cups. Right. So he is the changeableness of air, I guess. The changeableness of air in the... Well, he's he's mm -hmm. air of water. Air of water, exactly. So that so air is that He's quality, the changeable part of water, the changeable part of water. Yeah. So and I think that there's a special relationship between those two that's interestingly antagonistic. Like she sees through his bullshit. Well, you know what's really interesting is that so remember in the last episode about the Knight of Swords, we were talking about the Deccans and the Deccan that she doesn't have the last Deccan of Libra is his shadow Deccan. Yeah. So what she lacks is that truce Deccan. So it's a Jupiter Deccan. It's kind of like he has this ability to explore the emotional realm and communicate it. 
And that's what she's lacking. Mm-hmm. She's more pure, the logic end of things. And there's a certain coldness about her. There's a coolness, yeah, yeah for sure. So any She's a queen, great communicator, but not about emotional stuff. So the missing Deccan for any queen is going to be the four. Mm-hmm. The prince or knight will always hold her missing Deccan. But it's not necessarily the case that there's always a relationship elementally right. the way there is in yeah. this one. So that's really interesting. So it's kind of interesting and special. Yeah. So that's really interesting that queens in general and princes in general have this relationship mm. and also that she has this particular relationship with this particular prince. I often feel like that, you know, as a person who really identifies with Queen of Swords. I feel like when I see real charmers telling stories like the Knight of Cups, I don't buy it for a second. <laughs> right. Well, she is a, she's a no bullshit. She cuts right through the, the bullshit. I think what Lieber Theta said about her not having that Deccan also was that there's no truce in her. There may mm-hmm. be compromise, but there isn't truce. Right. Which I thought was an interesting comment. <laughs> right. So she may be able to cut a deal, but inside yeah. it's not like anything yeah. has really shifted. So she's associated primarily with the sign of Libra. And I thought that that was kind of interesting to, just to contrast for a moment with the other Venus ruled sign, the sign of Taurus, because, you know, this is the airy side of Venus versus the, uh, the earthy side of Venus. So in Taurus, we see physical pleasures and comforts, but here in the airy side of Venus, we see a love of symmetry, beauty, aesthetics, books, books, yes. music, <laughs> yes, you books know. and music and yeah, those types of pleasures, yeah, the pleasures of the mind. Right. And that's one of the reasons I really love your adjustment card, because I don't really know another justice or adjustment card that represents that sort of aesthetic pleasure of Libra uh, on the intellectual musical side. Yeah, you know? the dance. The rightness <laughs> of the dance. Yeah. Yeah. And this queen is said to be a good, fond of good, dancing. good dancer, yeah, <laughs> fond of movement and good at it. Yeah. Skilled dancer. Yeah. Oh, and also, so she's got the final mutable Deccan and two cardinal Deccans, like all queens. I guess. Yeah, so that would be the uh, ten of discs discs as her shadow Deccan um, Mm -hmm. wealth. And then she's got peace, the two of swords, and the three of swords sorrow. And she kind of doubly has the three of swords sorrow in the sense that she's a queen and all Which queens makes her a three. are three. So she's got that card is particularly important to her meaning, I think. And that, that connection between Virgo and Libra is kind of interesting too, because Libra is a really strange sign in the zodiac. What I read about it, it was the last of the 12 signs to be recognized mm-hmm. as a zodiacal one of the 12 signs because the constellation itself wasn't known in pre-classical times it was either part of the sign of scorpio the Mm -hmm. the alpha and beta star of the the two pans of the scales actually mean the northern claw and southern claw right zubanel janubi and zubanel (laughs) shamali um so or sometimes the scales of justice were seen as being part of the uh constellation astrea which is the virgo goddess holding the scales yeah that vast Um, constellation yeah so Mm -hmm. 
So Libra is kind of like a weird little area of the zodiac that was part of Virgo on one side and part of Scorpio on the other side. And, and it's also an area where what they call obsolete constellations there that like no, people no longer recognize. Yeah. So in that area, there was uh, one called the Hermit Bird, which again, <laughs> you know, makes you think of Virgo. Yeah. There was one called the Night Owl, which again, that seems kind of Athena-like and, right. you know, that wisdom. Right. And then there was one called Solitaire. Which makes wow. me think of her as the, the widow, you know, you, you see her often referred to as the widow and the solitary woman. Yeah, and I think that, that her association with the hermit makes a lot of sense in that way, right? Because, yeah. you know, she has that craving for solitude or that maybe it's thrust upon her, but she has a very strong relationship with being alone. She doesn't need nobody. Right. You know, and then the interest in justice or the interest in uh, intellectual symmetry and pleasing form of the intellect is also part of her nature. I think what's really interesting about that transition from Virgo to Libra is that, okay, so if you think about Venus, she has an earth sign and an air sign. So does Mercury, an earth sign and an air sign. Mm -hmm. So we go from the earth sign of Mercury to the air sign of Venus. And what's more, Venus is involved in Virgo. And in rulership in Libra. So you go from... So she goes from her not very comfortable place to her happy place. And yeah. then she's she's an exaltation in 27 Pisces on the opposite end of Virgo. Yeah. So she so she goes from this sensation of discomfort to this sensation of freedom and ability to arrange things as she pleases. You know, I really think of her as a person who delights in patterns of the mind. You know what's really cool? Like you see this card a lot of times associated with Pallas Athena personification of wisdom but what's really cool is that if you in astrology if you study the asteroids Mm -hmm. the asteroid palace is said to give pattern recognition the ability for pattern recognition which is really because that's she's all about that you know she really is she really is yeah and i think it's also interesting that her shadow decan is the ten of discs. So wealth going to peace, going to sorrow. You know, the the ten of discs is the the most crusted up, earthiest of the earthy, right? And when I think of her discomfort with that, her renunciation of that, I think of her like rejecting the material things of the world, the not just the wealth, but the communities that build up around wealth, around the people, just wanting to do her Greta Garbo thing, you know, and be on her own. Yep. <laughs> I think there's a, a a discomfort with a claustrophobia, you know, with the suffocating nature of the world and all its concerns. The finality of that Ten of Discs. Yeah. It's not her happy place. Right. But that understanding of it is part of what makes her able to have that broad perspective. At the same time, she stands at a bit of a remove from the world that allows yeah. her to see it clearly. Yeah, she's like above it all. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Looking at the majors, you know, so we we have the hermit in justice, and you can totally see how that plays out and becomes associated with her. You know, the idea of the hermit as the, the figure alone, the introspection, and then the idea of meeting out justice and the, the clean cut of the sword of adjustment. But then there's the other mages, you know, like we talked about in the last episode, she's also got the fool as the story of air and the right? element of air. And uh, the adjustment card, um, justice, we, we met, just mentioned, but mm-hmm. 
Libra as being ruled by Venus, it brings in the idea of the Empress as well. Yes. You know, that authority figure. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool, the idea to think of um, Libra as being the sign of partnership, and then she has the fool and adjustment, you know, that, that pairing of the, the fool and his girlfriend yeah. kind of thing, the ox and the ox goad. She's the prod, you know, that... That's right, the needle. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting, too, that, you know, here we have someone who is... governs the sign of partnership, who is the queen who least needs a partner of all. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting, yeah. Okay, so uh, dates associated with... Right now. Yeah, right now. (laughs) We're in it. Happen to be recording this on September 23rd. Which means that um, the equinox happened yesterday. That's right. The uh, the dates are September twelfth to October twelfth, and uh, this is going to come out, I think, in the first week of October. Uh, so yeah, so she governs that equal balance of light and dark, the scales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with the understanding, at least in the northern hemisphere, that the light is going to diminish. <laughs> Darkness is coming. Winter Sorrow is coming. approaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which would explain something of her outlook. Winter is coming. Yes. <laughs> that equinox holiday is the Feast of Mabon or Mabon or Mabon. And what do we know about it? It's the equal, um, the equal division of night and day. We celebrate harvest and the green man yeah and it's also that time of year is there's a holiday called the devil's nutting day (laughs) i think that's that i think is actually today i think it's the 23rd um and uh it's said that if you go out nutting on that day and in case you're wondering what nutting is it means gathering nuts (laughs) (laughs) doesn't say what kind (laughs) (laughs) that if you go out nutting that day you may meet the devil because he also gathers his nuts on that day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's the time of year where grapes are ripe and nuts are ripe, and I have actually gone nutting on the Devil's Nutting Day. <laughs> that is so great. Gather um, hickory nuts, actually, mm, mm. which grow around here. So the Queen of Swords governs the Devil's Nutting Day. The Queen Nutcracker. Yeah, <laughs> she's a real nutcracker. <laughs> That's totally cool. So, yeah, and at least in the Northern Hemisphere, this is a time that is specifically the richest harvest of the year. Although in the Southern Hemisphere, it is the planting time of year, which is equally significant in its way, uh, the increase of the light. Pacific water and primal air, her Kabbalistic correspondence is Bina in Yetzira. Uh, Crowley talks about the queens as their job is to receive, ferment, and transmit. So I guess they're kind of in the middle of everything. The ability to understand the impulse of the knight or king. I think he also says that thrones, he has something to say about thrones, that they exercise a definite function. You know, so she has a job, unlike the knight or king. Just yeah, he's just around. the idea man. She's the one who makes it real. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about her impatience with BS. And I think that makes sense because Yetzira is the realm of deception. You know, it's mm. the realm where ideas, reality is flexible. So she has to be an expert in detecting that. Right. We talked a little about 
swords personalities in general and their 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 skills and their you know downfalls her downfall according to the golden dawn description is that she can be unreliable deceitful sly but with a good exterior yeah yeah <laughs> and also accurate but in superficial things and i see i've seen that a lot in some of these Queen of Swords types is that mm-hmm. that accuracy in superficial things like grammar Nazis oh, and I hate punctuation Nazis, Nazis oh you know God, what I mean? Yeah. Like there, she can go there. Yeah, yeah, she really can. You know, and she takes pride, you know, in being a wordsmith. You know, and having yeah. that Mercury and Virgo. And that's a, that can be a really good thing. That attention to detail, but some of these types take it too far to the point where it's a liability, and you're no right. longer adding value exactly. <laughs> by by doing it to the extreme that some of them do it. A little knowledge can be a dangerous thing. <laughs> Libra's motto is I balance. Mm-hmm. And we can see that with her abilities of discretion and discrimination in a positive sense. Yeah. And the 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 whole idea of Libra as the uh letter Lamed, the ox code, it's it's to teach. You know, mm-hmm. its function is to teach. That's right, to teach the fool. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, the fool being Aleph the ox. Yes. What a job that is. Yes. <laughs> so, in terms of the historical and cardomantic meanings, they're very consistent. So, Atea said uh, she represents widowhood, or, you know, remember we said that. Uh, the Niter King of Swords was a mean man, an homme méchant. She's a méchante femme, so she's like a mean lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, she's a woman who's a widow and of bad character, of, of whom you're afraid to get too close. She's also got an extraordinary number of nicknames as Queen of Spades. People are obsessed with her. She's considered a real token of bad omen. You know, if you ever play Hearts, which is one of my favorite card games, she's the one that if you get her and you don't manage to pass her off to somebody else, she saddles you with a boatload of points. And the aim of that game is to get rid of your points. So I think it's like the old old maid. Yeah, Yeah, she is the old maid. (laughs) Exactly. That's one of her names. Um, Another one, Black Maria. (laughs) This is a very interesting origin story, the term Black Maria. Apparently there was a woman in Boston, a black woman named Maria Lee, and what she would do, she ran a boarding house and she helped the police round up vagrants and criminals. And they would come around in the Black Maria, the paddy wagon, to take them to jail. So she has that sort of association with justice, but also Authority, being, yeah. you know, a tough customer. Yeah, ball buster. She's associated with Calamity Jane. Fanny Kaplan. Fanny Kaplan was a woman who tried to assassinate Lenin. <laughs> Definitely associated with warlike women like Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and Slippery Anne. I don't know what that is, but that's a name that came up. And I thought, well, gosh, that sounds uh, somewhat tawdry. <laughs> but I think it's just like, again, that quality of deceptiveness yeah. and like not quite knowing where you stand with her. Yep. She's also been called Bathsheba, the relationship with King David, you know, the knight or king of swords because of that. 
Interestingly enough, another nickname for her is Molly Hogan, which is the name of a rope splice where you kind of braid the uh, rope back into itself so it forms an eye shape. Mm. So, you know, maybe it has to do with her perceptiveness or the idea that it looks like a noose. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but the one that we probably reference the most is her relationship to Pallas Athena, you know, uh, the goddess who was born from the head of Zeus. And one of her nicknames in that regard was uh, La Pucelle. La Pucelle, the, the, maid, the maiden. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. yeah, they also called Joan of Arc. Exactly. Exactly. She was the champion of the Greek side. Which kind of makes you think the maiden makes you think of the, the virgin. And she does have that um, decan of Virgo. Yeah. Yeah, she does. You know, I remember when I first started reading cards, I was kind of looking for my significator, and some texts would, most of them would say Libra, and some of them would say Virgo, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, because I think she's me anyway. <laughs> but then not realizing, of course, that it was because she has this final decan of Virgo, which is not where my sun is, but it is where my Mercury is. So she definitely has those Virgo qualities about her. Bodicea, the queen, um, I don't remember which queen she was, you know? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and Lucretia, Lucretia Borgia, mm. you know. Uh, so basically any strong woman that people didn't like, she gets identified <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Solobuska deck also associates her with a figure named Olympia. I didn't look her up, unfortunately. I bet she has a cool story associated with her, but definitely connotations of cruelty. You know, there is an opera by Tchaikovsky, which I used to listen to when I was young, uh, called Peak Dumb, meaning Queen of Spades. It's, it's an opera about card playing. And this is like a typical Queen of Spades tragedy story where the story of the opera is that there's this noblewoman who has learned the secret to gambling from a French nobleman and pattern she, recognition exactly which is the secret to gambling exactly so she's learned this pattern she's become very fabulously wealthy and she won't share it with anyone but mm, that shadow decking exactly but there's a young man who tries to wheedle it out of her he's he pretends to be courting her niece or her daughter or something and then he comes and he tries and to get her secret and he threatens her and she dies of fright. So then comes back as a ghost and she says, I'll tell you the secret. You're going to play uh, three and then the seven and then the aces. So the three seems sort of significant yeah, to me, right? Right. right. Uh, and then you can and the gain seven as Venus. Venus. Yeah. So then you can gain this woman's uh, hand in marriage. So why she has changed her mind, we don't know. But he's really super psyched. So he goes into this card game and he plays the three and he's winning. He plays the seven and he's winning. And and everyone's, you know, agog at how he learned the secret. And then he plays what he thinks is the ace and he gets the queen of spades and gets shot and dies or something like that. You know, <laughs> loses all his money. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good story for this yeah. card. <laughs> The, the fateful appearance of the Queen of Swords, you know, strikes terror in the hearts of card players for whatever reason, but I think she's cool. So, are we ready to talk about the weight card some? Yeah, why not? Okay, awesome. I'm going to pull her down 
I like her butterfly crown. Yeah, it's cool. And the yellow of air. She is the only one of the queens who sits like that uh, in, in Wade Smith. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the others are always either like facing a little towards you or all the way towards you. But she's exactly to the side, you know, so there's you only see one side of her. So maybe you only get either the nice one or the nasty right, one. Right. <laughs> you don't get a blend. <laughs> what I thought was interesting is what Waite said about her left hand there mm-hmm. being held up. He mm-hmm. says, it does not represent mercy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't be mistaken about right, that. Right. Yeah. And it looks like she's wearing a mala. It does. There was something about that. Here, I'll just pull it out from this this book because she was uh, in previous uh, versions, iterations, in the Roses and Lilies deck, according to Marcus Katz and Tali Goodwin, on that tassel, there were Rose and Lily designs. So like similar to the Roses and Lilies they have elsewhere in the deck. She wore those symbols of passion and purity as a rosary upon both her wrists but that detail was later lost. Interesting, because a rosary, what is a rosary but a representation of a pattern right. of thoughts? Yep. Right? You know? Right, for chanting a, a, yeah. a mantra. <laughs> yeah. Words. Words. Yeah. Words. Yeah, that's super cool. And then she has, you know, she's holding the justice sword straight up and down. Mm. You know, and she has, of course, those two decans associated with Libra, so that makes sense. Uh, she is... Definitely, in some ways, a uh, avatar mm. of justice. Right. Yeah. Libra, the scales, the final judgment, the, <laughs> the weighing of the heart to see if you're pure enough to enter the Elysian fields or mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. And she has, I was thinking that... Against you know, a feather for mm-hmm. air. She has so many clouds associated with her, more than the other ones. And I thought that that could be maybe because more water, you know, or waterier mm. qual- qualities of air. Yeah, the um, the weather descriptions for Libra said cumulo stratus clouds, a force illustrious. Yeah, which we sometimes associate it with impending rain. Mm-hmm. Which water of air, you know, exactly. snow and ice and rain. <laughs> exactly. Although I think the prince is more associated with rain where she's more... Driving rain, right? Yeah, yeah. snow and ice, the, mm-hmm. the crystallization, the form. Ice queen. Yeah, <laughs> right, the ice queen. She's definitely the ice queen. For sure. And she's got the uh, butterflies on her throne and the child, the winged child's head, which is yeah. the, the uh, crest. Here is the winged child, that uh, purity of thought. That relationship with the angels. And then she's got those two, they look like moons, crescents. Yeah. Under the uh, butterflies and child's head. Mm-hmm. And so two things. They kind of look like moons, and which would make sense. Like we were talking about the astral world, the world of thought, mm-hmm. which creation is associated with the moon. Mm-hmm. But they also look like Saturn sickles, don't they? They do. They do. So and that could be got, a reference to and Libra. And she's got the Three of Swords, Sorrow, which is the Deccan ruled by Saturn as like really important because it's like doubly associated with her. Not to mention that Saturn is... Um, exalted exalted in, Libra. in Libra. Yeah. yeah. So there's and, a real Saturnine quality to her. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And also, if you look at those three butterflies that she's sitting on on the base of her chair, it's the opposite of the King of Swords 
a king or knight of swords in Waitsmith, he has them at the top of the throne and in the opposite direction. So the two on below and the uh, and the one above. So it's almost like you have mm. triangle of water versus triangle of fire, you know, yep. and they would fit together in that way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I see that. Now, is her robe white or gray? I can't... I think it kind of looks gray. Yeah. But who knows? Mm. I Probably. Probably gray. Yeah. And also, you know, uh, right hand, the sword is carried in the right hand, which is, if you're in the tree, the pillar of form. And she's got some sort of belt on, but I can't make it out. <laughs> and she's got a wicked cool cloak of clouds. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Red shoes. For dancing in. Yep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that myth of the red shoes that you couldn't stop dancing yeah. if you put them on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So she and her husband both have the red hood and the red shoes, I think. I'm not sure about his shoes, but he also has red vestments. Waite says her countenance is severe but chastened. It suggests familiarity with sorrow. So she's been through a lot. The other thing I notice is see the bird um, yeah. above her head. Just one. Just one. Yeah. So that's like there was two in the Gemini card, the the king and yeah. uh, or knight, and uh, in this one there's one kind of maybe reinforcing her solitude, and exactly her widowhood or or whatever, or divorce <laughs> or whatever right. it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The power of the sword to divide. The trees look like they're starting to blow a bit. Not as much as you see in the uh, Prince Knight of Swords. But yeah, looks like the same landscape, though. Sort of mountaintop, hills below. That's interesting, because look at the Hermit and Justice. She's got the indoor throne of justice, <laughs> but she's on the mountain like the Hermit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The better to be alone. This is interesting. So Justice is basically doing the same thing with its hands. So, you know, holding the sword in the right hand, and then it's holding scales in the left. So you can kind of imagine her left hand like an imaginary set of scales. There. Right, yeah. <laughs> And it's interesting, too, that she's the old maid because both the hermit and, you know, the ten of discs are both associated with old age. That's right. And that Saturnine quality. Yeah. And her two swords decans, two of swords and three of swords in Wade Smith are also very watery, which is not the case with other swords cards. Yeah, the rain clouds in the Three of Swords, Waysmith, mm-hmm. and the water behind her in the Two. Right, so that kind of drives home the watery part of air thing. She's also a redhead. <laughs> that uh, it's not something that's people use much nowadays, but that is uh, an association of hers. She is the redhead queen. Oh, and yeah, there's something I forgot to mention about uh, from Secrets of the Waysmith Tarot. So she was said to be Ellen Terry, once again, friend to Pamela Coleman Smith. Here is Ellen Terry I'm showing. This is page 290 of Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot. She plays the Viking Queen Hjordis in a a play called The Vikings of Helgeland. That's an Ibsen play. (laughs) And she has that gesture um, where she's holding the sword and kind of gesturing with her other hand. Uh, Apparently the character is mentioned first as encouraging her husband to war with scornful words. So Ellen Terry apparently played this sort of Valkyrie-like Viking queen on a number of occasions. Oh, and so Olympia, who I mentioned before, sister of sister Alexander. Alexander. There we go. Ah, yes. So family relationship. Yes, I see that. Yeah. yeah, so apparently a lot of these figures that Pamela Coleman Smith depicted were friends of hers 
as she saw them in plays, doing yeah. dress-up. Yeah. So that gave her inspiration for this deck. Hjordis, also known as the goddess of the sword. All right. Uh, on to Thoth. Oh, I love this card. I do, the way, too. The way she drew it, it's like... I love the way she made the throne that that giant cumulus cloud. And we're up, so far below. Up. Yeah, it's like you're looking up at this glorious being that you're not worthy of. That's right. And she knows it, too. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Beautifully yeah. done. I love the uh, texture of the clouds. Yeah, they look, they look real. This card... Uh, all about the heads. Now, what's interesting is the way she's drawn with the sword pointing down, almost yeah. as if it's to reinforce that that bad side of her. Right. Because her arm looks pretty awkwardly contorted to hold it that way. It does seem very uncomfortable if you try to do that. Let's see. So actually, she's holding it in, in a really weird way. Hmm. Like the arm doesn't want to do that if you try to do yeah, it. It's almost like she's double jointed. <laughs> yeah, because if you hold it with you know the hand the way it's pictured, the arm actually... Right, it's like you know, twisted. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. No wonder she's so uncomfortable. So this card is Crowley's sun sign. His son, is, he was born October 12th, so his son is at 19 degrees of Libra. So his son falls in this Deccan. And it's, just. <laughs> and just barely, but it does. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is that this is one of only two court cards with pupils in the eyes, and the other one is the Prince of Wands, his rising sign right so, so he's um, like hey here i am yeah <laughs> creepy he put, he, when he, you think about yeah, it yeah he put like the spark of life in his two kind of personal cards you know what i can never understand mel is whether she's wearing something or not on top um i think <laughs> in the description he he says she's bare-breasted and yet yet but that she's wearing he, he mentions that she's wearing some sort of uh, belt and that um, and a sarong he calls it a sarong yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a man who's very familiar with sarongs but look at like her shoulders it looks like she's wearing something it but looks like see-through. it's like a transparent yeah, yeah. Um, transparent breastplate <laughs> right lucite or something <laughs> right polycarbonate <laughs> and I love the um, geometric form behind her but I can't really figure it out like. In mm-hmm. Snuffin's book on the Thoth deck, he says it has 15 points because Hode spelled out, you know, enumerates yeah. to 15, but I do not see 15 points there, so I don't know how he's getting at that. Like, I what is he counting either. as points? I can't get three dimensional or like stacked up two dimensional forms. I can't tell, but even if I count the points that are in her, I don't Mm -hmm. get 15, so I'm not sure where he gets that. But it's a really interesting form. There's a lot of geometry in in the Thoth Swords cards, and it's just another manifestation of that. That sort of pinwheel thing that we see Mm -hmm. all over the place. So let's talk about the heads. So there's the angel head on top. Um, which we've seen really everywhere. Uh, yep, it's part of yeah. the um, the book T crest description. It says a child's, child's head. Child's head, yeah, specifically. Yep. A winged child's head. Maybe that geometric form are the wings, because sometimes... And why a child specifically, do you think? In this card in particular, it seems pretty obvious to me that she's got that head in her hand, the old man head, mm-hmm. and that's like cutting away old thoughts, useless thoughts, and then the child's head replacing them with new and... and new, fresh, new and shiny improved. ones. <laughs> Young thoughts, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and, the, and the, the head that's 
cut off it's a bearded old man it's like it's the hermit it's like yeah. cutting away that shadow deccan and replacing it with the new young I like that. And it also is reminiscent of the story of Judith and Holofernes, which I think we probably talked about, I don't know, probably in one of the other Queen episodes where uh, Judith is sometimes, you know, really depicted as a woman of the sword, heroine of Judaism, where she, you know, kills the old king who's oppressing everybody uh, through trickery. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing about the child head is you see it on gravestones a lot. That tra- wing child heads yeah. on gravestones and tombs, and that's Saturn. Saturn exalted in Libra, so it, again, it's bringing in that flavor of Saturn to her. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think, you know, because we often associate the man's head with Aquarius, or the person's head, the grown-up's head. Mm-hmm. Um, but The angel's head, right? The and the, the, the emphasis on human heads throughout the sword suit really emphasizes that sort of like the dominating qualities of mind you know not just a head but a head over my head (laughs) you know (laughs) and i think i read somewhere maybe it was snuffin's book that the child head in the in the dendera zodiac description there was a child head for libra and it had something to do with the god kansu Oh, neat. Yeah, which I thought was kind of Contra being a moon god, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's curious. But she does have the moon as ruler of her middle deck in there piece. Yeah, that's true, actually. That could be a reference to that. He talks about her as being intensely perceptive, keen observer, subtle interpreter, and her ability in dancing and balancing is exceptional. Her willingness to take up the sword. Yeah. There's a severity about her, for sure, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, Let's see. The I Ching figure is represented by the 28th hexagram, which is Da Guo. Um, And Da means big or great, and Guo means exceeding, I guess. Great exceeding. Yeah, that's what I got. I got exceeding and power of the great. The wind trigram is the one on the bottom for swords. And then the upper one is the swamp diagram, which we see with all queens as water. Uh, So swamp over wind kind of makes you think of a lot of wetness in the air. (laughs) One of the meetings um, for that trigram Mm -hmm. sounded very appropriate for her. And it was standing firm, even though alone. Yeah, that's interesting. And th- I also saw some references to the amount of stresses on this card. So uh illustration of that was a saying that goes with it called the ridgepole sags. So if you turn the, um if you take the trigram, I'll just draw it bigger here, which is broken, solid, 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 broken, and you turn it mm. on its side, you know, it's like uh, they said that you should conceive of that as the composition of a ridgepole where it's it's weaker on the ends and stronger in the middle. Mm. So the idea is that this cannot stay like this. Something's going to change. The two ends are weak and out of balance. It's too big. The force is too great, great exceeding, difficult to control, easy to break. So... Um, so, in order to do that, you must compensate. So, you must use your balancing and to shore it up or to put something soft under if it breaks. 
mm-hmm. but to detect what is wrong and compensate it's and those, adjust. It's those minute adjustments of the yeah. uh, the adjustment card. Those minute adjustments that are made through the intellect, you know, right. through recognizing them. Right. Act and acting on them. Acting accordingly, yeah. exactly. So that's what she's supposed to do. Uh, geomantic figures. Puella. The girl. The girl. And if you look at the figure, it, it's got a um, single dot on top, then two dots, and then two single dots. Oh my and god, it looks just like it, that it, rope splice, the Molly Hogan. <laughs> well, it's supposed to look like the two I dots know. are supposed to be breasts. <gasps> like, okay, the girl. All right, oh, I get it. <laughs> supposed to be a generally favorable sign. Yep. Innocence uh, and beauty. The uh, Pu'er sign, that's Aries, right? Yeah, the Pu'er yeah. sign is Aries. Yeah. Um, so Aries, that, Libra, boy, yep. girl. Yep. Yeah. If you invert the Puella mm-hmm. sign, you get Pu'er, boy. Mm-hmm. So. And the breasts become testicles, something uh, like uh, that, probably. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> because what else would right, they be? Right. <laughs> Which It's interesting, though, that that's a generally favorable, you know, innocence and beauty. I yeah. guess that points to the Venus and Libra thing. Cause, I guess Because, so. you know, Venus and Libra is associated with beauty and, and symmetry. Mm-hmm. Like, natives are said to be if their Venus is in Libra, are said to usually have a very symmetrical and nicely proportioned body. I see. Yeah. And that makes sense with the dancer theme. You know, dancers are usually very nicely proportioned people in general. They work at it. (laughs) They work at it. In general. For sure. By not eating. (laughs) <laughs> basically working all the time. You know, when I was uh, at Juilliard as a kid, I used to hang out. You know, there's a sort of a big cafeteria where all the people who went there would be, and all the dancers would sit at a table not eating and smoking all day oh. long. <laughs> it was the saddest thing ever. Yeah. They were the most unhealthy people. The character excellent in itself cannot support interference. Don't bullshit me. I don't know if we said this, but the, you know, the hilt of the sword would be in Bina if she were standing in the tree. And what would that make the head be? Could be Gabora, which is yeah. the weapon. The Gabora's weapon is the sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, so if this is three, this could be seven. The, the, green, the green head. It is, yeah. it is green. Green head of Venus. You mm-hmm. know, Angel could be Keter. Or the kid's head. I could see that. It's hard to see what she's sitting on. I think she's sitting on the cloud. Yeah. The cloud is the throne. I love the way it just puts her in this like really exalted mm-hmm. position. <laughs> you sort have of like to the look queen up of wands, at her. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, same yeah. thing. You have yeah, to be like, you have to. Whereas the queen of cups, you're just so far away, you can barely see anything. That's interesting. So th- in this card, you're almost like the worm's eye view. Mm-hmm. Whereas in her partner, the knight, you have the god's eye view. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're from the other direction. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the, the queen you can get closest to is the queen of discs, even though she's not looking at you. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we're ready to talk about Tagal and Lindy, aren't we? I suppose this is where we should read the... Good old Golden Dawn's yeah. traditional description of this beautiful lady. A <laughs> graceful woman with wavy curling hair, like a queen seated upon a throne and crowned. Beneath the throne are gray cumulus clouds. Her general <laughs> attire is as that of the Queen of Wands, but she wears as a crest a winged child's head. 
a drawn sword in one hand and in the other a large, bearded, newly severed head of a man. <laughs> nice. Nice. Hey, did you have anyone's face in mind when you drew the man? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> there would be a history there. Yeah, there sure would be. She's sitting on a tripod formed of three swords, and that's directly from the Three of Swords, the three of swords card, that tripod of the Pythia. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it gives her that power of perception, that ability to see the truth of things. From the Two of Swords, she has those two swords balancing the scales. Again, her Libran nature of balancing these truths that she Mm -hmm. unearths from the depth. The uh, two pans of the scales are the two coins from the Ten of Discs that are in the position of Netzach and Hode. Yeah. So you've got the Hode for the mind and the Netzach for Venus. um, That, Mm -hmm. you know, discernment and balance through um, the Ten of, the, the card Ten of Discs, that's what she pulls from from that card. And the clouds, I think the clouds below, I just like the Thoth card, she seems to be above it all. Yeah. Like she's up above those clouds. In the Thoth card, she's up on a cloud. Here she's like above it all. And that's kind of like her power is to transcend thought's power to deceive. Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. slippery nature of thought and how deceptive it can be. And she can rise above that and see the truth from mm-hmm. her exalted position. That she could also use it to her advantage if she wanted to. Yes. <laughs> yep. She certainly could. What about the infinity snakes? Yeah, those are solar in nature on the Ten of Disc card. Um, you'll see that there's a sun behind them in that card. Yeah. For me, that that's an infinity symbol, the the path of the sun, the, mm-hmm. the unchanging, you know, it's the that which goes on. Mm-hmm. The symmetry reminds me a lot of, so when I was an editor in the 90s, I would travel to college campuses and talk to professors. I went to California one time, and there was a woman I went to see. She was an older woman, quite well-known in her field, literary critic. And I went into her office, and something very strange was going on. I couldn't put out my finger on it. But right before I left, I noticed everything was exactly symmetrical. She had, you know, the pencil stand. There was one pencil on this side, one on the other, identical, you know, little (laughs) bookend here, bookend here. She had a ring, on identical ring on each of her fourth fingers. And she also had that very uncompromising quality about her. Yeah. So everything had to have its counterbalance. Exactly. (laughs) Something about that infinity symbol, though, there's a parallel there. So the snake is eating its own tail, that mm-hmm. that point where the, the snake's head and tail meet, and it's like this renewal of old and new, and that's like the old man's and the yeah. child's head, you know, that, that yeah. point of old becoming new over and over again. Right, and the fact with the ten of discs that that's the end. You yeah. Know? That's where you bury things. Yeah. yeah, but it's also the point of renewal and where, the the, point where of renewal. things start again. So exactly. it, it's that beginning and end theme going on where new thoughts replace old thoughts continually. Continually. I get her a lot. I bet you do too. I do. Well, you know what's so funny? When I bought my first Rider-Waite-Smith deck, this was the first card I saw. 
I, you know, I just opened it up and she fell out and I was like, okay, this is me. I really, really identified with her for a lot of reasons at the time, not just because of the Virgo thing, but because I was a book editor at the time. Yep. So my job was to work with Oh yeah, she's definitely an editor. Oh, she's an editor. <laughs> and at that time, I was ballroom dancing every night, three hours a night. Oh wow! That was like a thing that I was obsessed with at the time. So you know, and that was something I recognized was true of her, as well as like I was really down on men <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so you know, there you go. And uh, and also this thing about the Queen of Swords is that. More tarot readers identify with her than any other queen. I once ran a poll to verify this because I seem to you would you would guess it would be the Queen of Cups, and I bet you, you would think so. I bet you she's second. She was a close second, yeah. or, and the Queen of Wands was not far behind there either. And this was a very Queen of Swords thing to do, but it was like everyone seemed to be saying, "Oh, I am the Queen of Swords," and of course this annoyed me because. <laughs> the queen of swords so i wanted to see if if it really was the case that more people identified with her and indeed it was number one like people who are tarot readers intjs or infjs you know i think it's usually the uh myers-briggs for it they consider themselves wounded people who derived wisdom from that in order to gain their clarity of thought and tell it like it yeah, is. And yeah, and tell it like that's... it is. So, you know, there is a real identification between this queen and those of us who do this work, for whatever reason. But it really is true by by a significant number of percentage points. Yeah. So if you all out there identify with the Queen of Swords, you come by it honestly. In readings with people, she reliably comes up when people have just had a breakup or they're about to. You know, yeah. and when I, I, so many times, I don't know about you, but so many times I've said, so she's the one who doesn't need a guy. <laughs> and the heads just go nod, nod, nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, well. you know, and also women who have been without a man or a partner generally for mm-hmm. a long time will identify with this card. So how about you? So you said you get her I a do, lot. I do, I do yeah. get her a lot. And, and usually it's uh, a reminder to cut away the bull, find the bullshit. <laughs> And, and remove it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of my identification with this card when I'm sewing, you know, because tiny little needle is yeah. the queen of swords. <laughs> Being extremely cranky and critical, which is really mm-hmm. normal for me and very much like her. So besides the fiber arts and the dancing and stuff that you expect to, here's a really funny one I had one day, which was that I had gotten the Queen of Swords and the Moon card. And the evening I got this, I was watching an Hercule Poirot mystery with Zoe. She was really into Agatha Christie for a while. It turned out to be that the murderer was a widowed mother. (laughs) I thought that was just so perfect. She's not exactly bloodthirsty, you know? It's just she does what needs to be done, and sometimes if someone has to be gotten out of the way, that's just what you do. So, yeah. And, oh, and the other thing is that I really associate her with a delight in the use of words and intellectual banter, Yeah, you know? And that is something that has been a great pleasure in my life with many, many people over the years is to have conversations through the written word, not spoken word. Yeah, she mm-hmm. comes up for me in in situations of clarity of words, clarity of 
thought using the and right using word. the yeah, yeah yeah pinning down the right words about a subject yeah yeah and in a graceful way too mm-hmm. I think you know she really has that ability to make something that doesn't just look good it sounds good there's definitely a theme of self knowledge with her as well with that three of swords mm-hmm. sorrow card definitely learned from her difficulties you know it's interesting she can really understand other people and i remember it being said of athena at one time in th uh, white's the sword in the stone where the young king arthur goes and meets her it said it was the greatest joy in the world to be with her and the greatest sorrow to be her yeah right yeah so there's a real uh understanding of people's pain but very often an impatience with that because if i lived through it why can't you yeah yeah <laughs> you know she'll tell people to just pull up their big girl pants and get on with it you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right shall we try and sum it up i think so She's the queen of the thrones of air, the watery part of air, the part of air that has elasticity and transmits messages between people and things. The snow and the ice queen. Yeah. She is associated with Virgo and Libra with the intellectually pleasing patterns Mm. that she alone can perceive. Pattern recognition, yeah. Libra's motto of I balance and of the uh, Libra sign starting at the point of the equinox, the equal balance of night and day. The festival of Mabon and the green man, the harvest. She is a loner and a dancer and a wordsmith and a seamstress. <laughs> La Pucelle, the maiden or Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. Black Maria. Yeah. And, uh, Fanny Kaplan, uh, Pallas Athena, Peak Dum, the Queen of Spades, Bathsheba. Crowley Moss, Crowley's birthday. <laughs> right, yes. The last day of her Right, her, the, first, the first day of Libra is the equinox, and the last day is his birthday. Well, the, the last day, not of Libra, but the last day of her decans, actually, I right. should say. Oh, the devil's nutting day. Yes. The Nutcracker Queen. <laughs> yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Cumulostratus clouds puffing up with water. Child heads and severed bearded man heads on butterflies. Right, on tombs to exalt Saturn. <laughs> and the deck and she doesn't have the four, you mentioned the truce one, you know, in Wade Smith, that's, that's the tomb effigy. Mm-hmm. Which seems significant. Puella, the geomantic figure, and the hexagram 28, Da Guo, great exceeding, the stresses of the ridgepole, which you must adjust and compensate yep. for. Standing firm even though alone. Right. The old maid, the hermit bird, solitaire, and the night owl. Right. Obsolete constellations of Libra. The widow and the divorcee. The severing of the intellect from the lower nature. Rising above it all, thought's power to deceive. Hyordis, Viking queen and goddess of the sword. Nice. <laughs> the woman girt with the sword. Her impatience with the prince or knight of cups. His fictions that she sees through. Yeah, and it's interesting that the alpha and beta stars of Libra are the claws of the scorpion, and he's the Scorpio card. Right. 
Yeah, mm. that close relationship between the two of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Water of air and air of water. The queen on the hermit's mountaintop. Uh, the ox and the ox goad, the fool and adjustment or justice. Mm-hmm. With her love of music and words. Mm. Yeah, sounds of the air. Transmission through the air, sound, <laughs> what you dance to. Her renunciation of community and claustrophobia with the things of the world in the Ten of Discs. Her familiarity with sorrow. And how she can be sly, but with a good exterior. <laughs> yeah, don't get on her bad side. It's really not a good idea. Accuracy in superficial things. Grammar Nazis. Oxford comma junkies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, her uh, relationship to the oracle of the Pythian oracle, mm. the speaker of truth. All right. Well, thank you for dancing a turn or two with the Queen of Swords and us. And we will be back next time with the Prince or Knight of Swords. And that's our show for today. You can find us, as always, at our online home www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse but there are also a number of other places you can find me and mel on the internet all of mel's books and decks can be found at www.tarotcart.com so that's your first stop if you want to find anything related to the rosetta tarot or the tabula mundi tarot that's also where you'll find the adorable new pocket-sized decks as well as signed and matted prints of her artwork as for me my book Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers. It's coming out from Llewellyn and is available for pre-order online at Amazon Book Depository and more. You can learn more about that at my website, www.tsusanchang.com. I also have a shop on Etsy where I sell the one and only trademarked Arcana case in lavish silks, brocades, and esoteric prints, as well as my Zodiac perfumes. Perfumes for the next month's sun signs are always on sale at the year's lowest price. All of that is at www.etsy.com slash tarotista. And if you'd like your very own Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt or tote bag or mug, we have those too. You can find them at our Redbubble shop. The address for that is redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Go on, get yourself something. You know you deserve it. Happy shopping to all you heroes of the astral plane. We so appreciate your support. <laughs>